This is episode four of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gellner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Today, I'm really excited to bring Karen Hertz, the chief brewista and founder of Holla Daily Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Karen and I share the same wonderful chiropractor. Last fall, he was running a contest sharing his clients' gifts with other clients, and I had donated my book, By Our Dancer, and a seat to my Ignite event. Karen had donated some of her gluten-free microbrew. Lucky me, I was the winner. I popped a can open on a warm spring weekend just a few weeks ago and was instantly a fan. She's going to be a guest Circle of Inspiration facilitator at my upcoming Extraordinary Women Connect Gala, and I'm really looking forward to getting to meet her face-to-face. Karen is going to be sharing her story of how she launched Holla Daily and how she has moved from fear and self-doubt. She's a two-time cancer survivor, and part of her treatment was to eliminate gluten from her diet. She's a beer lover who has been gluten-free for over five years, and in 2016 opened Colorado's first 100% dedicated gluten-free brewery. Karen recently won the Denver Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award for her contributions in business and the community. I'm so excited to have her on board today and to share her story. Well, welcome, Karen. I'm I'm thrilled to have you on with us today. Are you calling from snowy Colorado today? I am. Thank you for having me. I am in Golden as we speak. It just has stopped snowing in the last few minutes here. Yes, I've got blue sky starting to show up. So it's yeah. just looking like a lovely day now that the snow's passed on, on yeah, the way. Every, everything will be green tomorrow, I'm sure. That's right. Great. Yeah. Springtime in the Rockies. So, so tell me, I'm excited to hear about your story of, of starting your, your brewery, but I want to start with a defining time or situation that just forever shaped your life, yeah. um, something that changed the path you were on, the journey you were on. What was it and how has it changed things for you? Definitely. I, um, I would have to say that the defining time wasn't a single moment. I had kind of a cluster of years that were really, really hard for me um, between about 2007 and 2010. Um, And in that time, I uh, was pregnant with twins and had twin girls um, and then was also diagnosed with melanoma and also papillary thyroid cancer. So within a really short window, there was a lot of difficult, crazy health Um, diagnoses going on and in addition to starting a family and having twin girls so the way it kind of has changed me is I think before then I really kind of went with the flow I did what I was supposed to do I went to school I got married I had a job um And it was definitely not a bad life in any way, shape, or form. But what what that time kind of did for me was it was a little bit of an awakening of somewhat of mortality and that we're not all here forever. And it kind of pushed me into a challenging place where I decided that I wasn't going to just 
do kind of the right thing and the comfortable thing, I guess is the best word all the time, I was going to really start challenging myself to get uncomfortable and accomplish some things that I really knew in the long run I would be proud of. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's certainly when we have um, big things happen in our life like that, that um, and especially the fact that you had children at the same time you had cancer <laughs> showing up, yeah. that had to be a really um, eye-opening space in your life where you said, okay, what do I want out of my life? Definitely. And it, those times were very much of like just a day at a time um, getting through. I, I never really had to face anything that was that hard. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it just taught me a lot of what I could get through. And that was a bad scenario. So if it's a good scenario, think about what could be accomplished. Right, right, <laughs> right. Right. Um, what did you do? What did you do around your, your cancer scenarios that, um, that helped you heal? Um, it took a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of, part of it was having the babies. Like I didn't have a lot of time or opportunity to overly analyze the whole situation. It was, mm-hmm. I got to get better and take care of these kids. And, um, I had, I would say, you know, the best thing I had was really the support system. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have been married for 13 years and he, um, his name is Jake and Jake and I really worked well together as a team to get through it. I have family that lives close by. Um, they were a huge support. Um, so you were diagnosed with cancer and then the children were born. Um, so I was diagnosed with melanoma while I was pregnant. Okay. Um, and had that removed and then had the twins, which, um, for overall for twin pregnancy, we did pretty good. They were born very healthy, but I was, I had nine weeks of bed rest in the middle of that. Um, and then when they were a year old is when we found the thyroid cancer. Okay. So, and it's interesting. I, I had thyroid cancer when I was 15 years old. So I, um, I know the scariness of that and yeah. yeah, yeah. And especially in the midst of having, um, children like that. So it's, you know, what, what, a, you know, a way for you to say, okay, no, I'm going to, was there determination that was, what was, what was running through you that was like, you know, this is really important that I beat this. Um, there were certainly days and moments of weakness. Right. Right. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Right. What was funny with just my husband in general, I feel like um, he will, you know, very small things he gets worked up about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then when huge things happen, he's kind of the calm one. The rock for you, right? (laughs) It worked out pretty well in that scenario for him to really just um, be the support. There was a particular phone conversation where he was like, you know, I don't know why all this is happening, but someone thinks we can handle it. So let's figure out a way to, to solve this and get through it. Um, Looking back at it now, do you, do you see, I mean, it's, you always hate to say that there's a reason why things happen to us like that, but is, was there outcomes out of that, that certainly shifted your life? Absolutely. Definitely without a doubt. Um, 
Yeah. And I think, you know, it goes back to kind of where I had started with was I just wasn't taking a lot of risks in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it eliminated that fear for me. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So you, you yeah. got all in. And so that, that, that ability to be able to learn to step out and to risk, um, to move from that, that comfortable corporate job that you had to, to launching Holiday Daily Brewing. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey. I mean, tell us what, where the ideas came from, where you said, you know what? Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this. Was it, was it a heart-based thing? But tell me more about that. Um, really the biggest part of that was, um, I, well, you know, I was working in the brewing industry. Mm-hmm. I had gotten an MBA in entrepreneurial studies, not because I ever thought I would really start a company. I just enjoyed studying that when I was in uh, my business graduate program. Um, so I kind of had some tools already. And then I became gluten-free after my thyroid cancer and treatment. And, you know, when you're working at a big brewery, um, I couldn't drink any of their products or, you know, it'd be like a work function and I can't participate. Um, and I just, I drink beer really socially. So whether it's at a baseball game or a tailgate party, or it's just tied to some of those things for me. And, um, so a lot of this transition came from those opportunities not really being available. I, um, there were some gluten-free beer products out there. I just felt like the quality wasn't very good. Um, and your, yours is delicious, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, I agree. Um, so there was a lot of research that went into the actual ingredients in the beer and why some was tasting better than others or not tasting good at all. Um, and then I... Um, so were you doing this at home, kind of testing it um, out for yourself? Yeah, a little bit of that. So I, what I did is I found there's another woman-owned business in north of Fort Collins called Grouse Malting. Uh-huh. She owns a malting company that only malts gluten-free grains for brewers like me. Okay. So I found her and really started just working with her on how to make her product work for my beer because a lot of people were not using grain at all. Um, and I had to work with CSU. They have a fermentation and science school up there now. Mm-hmm. You can actually get a degree in brewing pretty much up at CSU. Um, but they had a little brewing system. And so I worked with one of their TAs for, I don't know, three to six months on putting recipes together and trying things out and remember the day driving up there thinking, man, it'd be really cool if I could have a good gluten-free beer today. And uh, so I drove up and I had a great gluten-free beer that day. And it was kind of the moment of, oh boy, I better get serious about this because I think we may be onto something. Um, So that was a big, big moment in that transition of, okay, you know, I have the idea, I have the beer industry experience. Um, so I, I just started putting a business plan together real seriously from then. And how did you make the big leap? I think ultimately I, um, and I don't know, I, I made that day was a big, big day. And then another day I, I made a call to a woman that runs a big women's brewer association. It's called pink boots society. And called she, what? 
called Pink Boots. So oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, really cool woman. She's one of the best known brewers in the country. And I was real nervous about calling her. And I called thinking, oh, she'll, you know, it'll be a voicemailer. And she picked up. And I said, you know, hi, I am thinking about opening a gluten-free brewery. I don't really brew. And I don't have a recipe. What do you think? <laughs> and uh, he was silent for a minute. And I was just thinking, no, this isn't good. And, she, and her response was, that's what you're worried about? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the recipe. What's the recipe going to be? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, there are consultants all over the country that can help you with things like that. And she sent me um, some names of a couple. She was out of uh, the Northwest. So I called every person she recommended. And one of them ended up that I really liked was out of Portland. So I got on a plane by myself and flew to Portland and, um, sat down with him. His name is Mark Martin and he runs um, Northwest Brewery Advisors is the name of his company mm-hmm. and spent two days with him um, really working on a business plan and is this realistic? And he was also like, here's the equipment you would need. Here's how you could set it up. Um, here's the space you would need. So go looking for this. So he was instrumental in all of it, but he, but working with him, I left there like, I can do this. Yes. Um, I needed help, but I could do it. Right. And so it's so important to, and a couple of things that I love about what you just said here is, is that first of all, you picked up the phone and called the woman from the pink boot society. Right. And you're like the fears there. I was like, Oh my God, am I calling her? I'm stepping out. And it's interesting because I just did um, another um, podcast interview. And that's one of the things we were just talking about is, is that, um, it, we, we reach out even when we think we can't, and it can generally open up doors when, when it seems like a really big, you know, gosh, what is this person going to, is this person going to take my phone call? Yeah. Um, So if there's somebody out there that, you know, our listeners have been thinking, gosh, I would love to speak with this person, reach out, right? What a lesson to be learned from that. Um, yeah. And then as you got the help around you and you put the help around you, that's another really important lesson for us as we think about um, our dreams and what we want to be creating in our life and where, where we start taking big steps, put help around us. Because, you know, I know certainly I've had plenty of help around me as I've, as I've built my business and um, it's, it's been instrumental in taking me and guiding me and, helping me see through the, the, the forest when, you know, three, see through the trees into the forest um, where otherwise you can get really lost. Well, for sure. And I think everybody has weaknesses and you put people around you that fill in those holes for you and then you can help them in other ways, but it's, that's the whole part of just building a great team is playing on people's strengths Right. So tell me, and I so agree with that. I think, you know, everybody has something has great gifts to bring to the table and, and, you know, surrounding ourselves with, with people and really letting their lights shine is so important. Tell me a little bit about the, um, I'm sure through this journey, as you were thinking through this, the fear that might've come up for you or the uncertainty or that, you know, that inner critic, what, what were some of the messages you were telling yourself 
that you had to find a way through? Um, I, I think in general and just really my whole life, I've been a positive person. I kind of see the, um, positive in most things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think there's just a lot of positive messaging in there. I also, I would say one of the biggest things I did in the very beginning was I challenged myself to be brave once a day. And that was like, Mm. really like calling that woman, um, at the pink boots or calling, you know, whoever it was. And I was like, Oh, I do not want to make this phone call or I don't want to meet with this person or whatever it might be. That was something that was really fearful for me. Mm -hmm. I just said, okay, like, you don't have to do this all day, every day, but once a day, you have to go do something that makes you really uncomfortable. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) And it, I mean, it worked because next thing you know, a week later, I've checked all these boxes of things I needed to do and people I needed to call and, it would, it would be in a different scenario. It could be all the things you put off. Right. Right. And when you start to do those brave and courageous steps like that, and you start to see results come off of it, it, it feeds your body full of, of a different kind of energy, right? It's like, for sure. And it's just not so hard anymore. Really. Right. Right. Yeah. It becomes, it becomes a, a habit. It becomes a, um, comfortable way of being because you're stretching your limits every single day. And usually what we have in our mind of how something's going to go if you're nervous about it is so much worse than how it really ends up. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) So you get yourself all worked up over it and then it really is not a huge deal. Right, right. And so the more that the practice that you can put in place around that, that's fantastic. Um, So tell me a little bit where you're, tell me more about where your, your brewery is going. What's the vision and what's in front of you? Absolutely. Um, so right now we really opened, um, we opened in February of 2016. So it's been a little bit over a year now. When we opened, we had three beers on tap the day that we opened. Um, and since then we have put our flagship beer is our favorite blonde. And we've put that beer in a can and have been distributing that Denver Metro And in addition, in November, we added uh, our Fat Randy's IPA to cans and distribution. So as of today, we are distributing two beers to liquor stores and restaurants in the Denver Metro. Um, And we have nine beers on tap in our tap room. So there's been a lot of growth since a year ago today. The tap room is great. We opened also just, I wasn't sure if people would come to a all gluten-free tap room, to be honest, uh-huh. uh, when we opened. So we were open Thursday through Sunday to start, and now we're open every single day. So um, you're getting good positive feedback. Yeah, and, it's yeah. been really well received, and, and not just by gluten-free people, just by craft beer people. This is a big craft beer state. Totally. Um, so the, the tap room has been very well received and um, growing, and then... Long-term, I mean, even short to long-term is we are going to be adding more beers that we distribute and more territory that we distribute too. So the ultimate big vision for me is that people that are gluten-free are because it makes them feel better. Whether they were really really sick, Mm -hmm. whether they, you know, they might have celiac disease or um, an autoimmune disease like MS or thyroid problems um they're gluten-free because they didn't feel better 
Yeah. And, and I, I tell, I get that. I, I, I'm, I'm gluten-free by choice and, yeah. um, I feel better when I'm not exactly. having and a lot I of just, gluten. I just want people to be able to have a beer. It's yeah. really, it's a simple, silly thing, but when you're that person, um, in a group, it's very, it can be emotional. You're the high maintenance one. You're the sick one. You're, you know, all these different things. And you feel that weight of that. And when you can walk in, either walk into a brewery and be like, I can have anything on this menu. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people get really emotional, which is by far my favorite part of this journey. Yes. Um, but also I want to get beer out to people because not everyone can make the trek to golden. And I get that. Right. I want them to be able to take, you know, a four pack of our cans to a party and watch football and feel like they're just, it's just another social gathering and not be worried about getting sick or not fitting in. So I think that's the ultimate big picture in my brain um, is we're going to get great beer to people that haven't been able to have it for a long time. Do you see it going outside of Colorado? I do. I don't, um, not in the short term. Okay. We really want to be sure that we have stabilized our position here. We're from here. We're native. Um, and I want, you know, I want to really be sure that we fill in Colorado really well before we head anywhere else. And there's plenty of place to fill in. And by the way, my brother is opening, um, the Parker tap house, um, up in Parker. So, um, we'll have to connect you with him as, as that, um, he's there, they haven't even broke ground on the building yet, but, uh, um, so anyway, that's coming. So I'll have to make that connection for you. That's exciting for sure. I would love it. Yeah. So wh- whose shoulders do you stand on to be able to see above all the craziness, especially cause you've got, you know, two, you've got what, two nine-year-old twin daughters. Yes. And so you're, you're busy, you're, um, you know, you're running your business, you're a mom, you, you're, you know, you're, you taking care of yourself, taking care of your family. Whose shoulders do you stand on to see above the craziness? And what's your support system look like? I mean, the the good news for me is that I have a really big support system. That's great. I would say we already talked about Jake. He's been amazing. Um, And then my parents and his parents, too, have been great and integral in helping us, Um, whether it was when I was really sick and the babies were around or Mm -hmm. even, you know, coming and supporting the girls now at a soccer game or coming to the brewery to help us can. My dad will come help with that sometimes. Sometimes he'll deliver beer for me, which is hysterical um, because I know the liquor stores must just love him. Um, So my family, um, I have siblings that are pretty close. so They have been huge in this too. And then I would say I live in a really awesome neighborhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my kids have a great group of friends right in the neighborhood. Um, we live on a cul-de-sac and they all play together. And it's really, you know, the whole it takes a village. It does. Um, I have a village that nice. we live with that has just been really awesome. And then I would say another huge group for me that has really been awesome is honestly, it's our employees. Um, I have a head brewer who is unbelievable he's doing all the brewing now he's uh, brewed for 25 years commercially so I don't even really need to worry about the quality of the beer at this point because he just he's got it ridiculously great beer he's more than proved himself um 
So that went, and that was really, really luck finding him. He happened to be looking for a job when I was looking for a brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a great, or, met, or, met, or it was meant to be right. Yeah. yeah oh, completely. <laughs> I mean, I really, yeah, I, I hope so because, uh, from my end for sure. I hopefully from his end too. Um, but we have an awesome bar staff. I have a tap room manager, um, who is, she's just always happy, makes this place fun, makes the employees happy. Everyone, we really have worked really well as a team. And it's cool because we've been getting noticed for things. We won um, the Denver A-list for Best Local Brewery 2016 and 2017. We just Oh, congratulations. So we're getting some... You know, we're getting different awards and we're getting... And you were just on the Denver Business Journal 40 Under 40 list as well, which is a great list to be recognized on. I was. Thank you. So that was a huge surprise. Um, But our name is getting out there and I really think it's the holiday piece of it is because of the staff that I have. And it also allows me to confidently leave the brewery and go be with my family. Right. So having that, and I think that's really important for um, business owners to be able to say, okay, I can trust this group of people to do this, their job so that I have my own life as well. Yep, exactly. So yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, the support system is huge, um, which is, I'm so lucky for and really thankful for. Um, And it goes all the way from my family to the people that are part of the company. Really? Nice. nice. Yeah. And what would your 70 year old self tell you today in the midst of all of this, you know, wonderful things happening for you? Yeah. I think, I think she would be proud. Yes. Um, of what has been accomplished. I would say if she had any constructive <laughs> criticism, it would really be to go a little easier on myself yeah. in that. When I'm at work, I feel like I should be spending more time at home. And when I'm at home, I should be spending, feel like I should be spending more time at work. So that push pull that is is constantly going on in life. And yeah, I just, um, uh, I think I do a good job of separating the two, but there's certainly are moments are like, oh, I should, you know, be folding the laundry that's sitting in the dryer right now. (laughs) Yeah. We do a lot of those shoulds on ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So I think constructively and it's definitely something I have been working on but I I think that would be a constructive criticism is you know just the the pile of laundry can wait yeah exactly (laughs) or you know or the one email or the whatever at work so um but that's just a big part of this process I think is there's there's a lot to be done (laughs) and figuring it out and prioritizing things um, are really important for me. Yes. Yes. And what makes your heart sing and dance in your life today? Well, I would say, um, on a personal note, I don't, it doesn't get better for me than a powder day with my family. (laughs) Nice. Oh yeah. Um, we've got the, we've had the girls skiing since they were real little and now they are great skiers and, just getting that time, doing something active together, being together um, is by far my favorite, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, here at work, it's really watching this brewery grow. Um, 
and get acknowledged for things for right. the hard work. Um, yeah. And and like I said before, the most rewarding thing for me is when we have a customer at our bar who is very emotional. I mean, we've had tears, we've had, you know, it's crazy people calling people um, just emotional because they get that tie. They clearly have this um, emotional tie to the social scene of it. And Mm -hmm. that part is really, really rewarding for me. Where you see how it's, it's, it's opening up space for people like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, I, I tasted your beer um, and as, as you know, I won your beer through our shared chiropractor. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that was how we connected, which was really funny. And, um, the, you know, that, um, it was, it was a beautiful spring Sunday and, um, I had just come in from riding my horses, spent the, the, the day outside in the, you know, warm sunshine. And it was, I came in and it was like, you know what? A cold beer sounds so good, and there were the there were the beers in the refrigerator that you you donated to the Jason's thing, and so it was um, it was really it was so tasty. It was really appreciated in the, on such a beautiful spring day like that. So love it, That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So my, my final question, well, before I go to the final question, one more thing, how are you, I think right now it's really important that, um, women, I think women are just being called to step up and lead in, in new and different ways. Um, I think there's just, there's, there's space for women leadership to really show up in our world today. How are you mentoring and guiding women today? I think a couple of ways. I think, um, I get messages often from women in all different areas tied to this. So Mm -hmm. for example, a stranger within the last week emailed me through Facebook, um, just diagnosed with thyroid cancer, looking for some guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get cancer questions. I get brewing industry questions. How do you, um, you know, deal with, you know, the fact that this is a very male dominated industry, I get business questions. Um, so I think taking, having those conversations with those people is probably honestly, um, absolutely one of the biggest ways that I, I do that is I uh, am open to questions and having dialogue around all those different areas and feel like I can offer some experience and, yeah assistance in those areas. I So I think the question that would be really interesting, I'd love to hear your answer on how do women, because I know so many of our listeners and just so many people, so many women do work in male dominated industries. Um, what's, what's your best bit of advice for them on that? I feel like every industry is male dominated. Mm-hmm. Right. Mean, there are very, very few that aren't. So it's almost like, to me, it's like, we got it. It's male dominated. I get it. Everything is. So let's not even dwell on that. Let's just focus on what you can accomplish, what you can get done. Um, and, and navigating that. I mean, I don't, I really don't overthink it. I don't think, Oh, there's a man in the room. So I better say it this way or act this way. I really, honestly, I think, you know, for me, it's just gaining knowledge and being confident going into whatever it may be, a room, a conference, a meeting, a 
I'm speaking, whatever, just knowing that I know the, the information in my head I'm confident about. I'm confident right. that it's true, that I, know, that I have done my research, that I can answer questions. And if I can't answer a question, I bet I know where I can. So I'll get it back to you. But I don't overthink the male-dominated piece of it. I just think more about what I can get accomplished. Right. And I think that's it's so true. It's I worked so many years in, uh, before I went down this path that I'm on today in, in the oil and gas industry. And um, so certainly there was, you know, a very male-dominated industry. But the more you just show up as who you are as a leader in your truth, in, you know, in your knowledge, in your expertise, um, shining your light out, um, there's, there's nothing that can dim that. Right. No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, some of my toughest critics in the corporate world weren't men. Uh (laughs) They were women, you know, so anybody can be tough. It's a matter of, it's a matter of being yourself. And And how do you lead as a woman today in, you know, within your brewery? What's, what's your, the essence of who you are as a woman leader, essence of you as a leader? In the brewery? In the brewery. How um, would they describe you? Oh, geez. <laughs> I think fun uh-huh. is really important here. I mean, uh-huh. I think we're making beer. So um, I, this environment is, is a fun environment. It's a happy environment. Um, and I think it's motivating. Yeah. We, um, because it's not just about pouring a beer in a glass. Like, there's a lot more to it. Um mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's, it's just a positive, it's a positive place. It motivates people. Um, it's very collaborative. Um, I am the polar opposite of a micromanager. I just want people right. to get their job done, but really it's, it's up to them when and how, as long as it gets done. And um, we all work really well together. So I think as some of the things as a you know, female leader, what I hear out of that is, is the collaboration. I think, you know, women leaders are collaborative. I think by nature, I think that if we tune into who we are as female leaders, um, it's collaboration. I think it's, you know, even your story around the emotional uh, connection to it mm-hmm. is very, um, you know, it is, is what we bring as women leaders is we are able to connect through story emotionally and, um, and not to say men aren't, don't, um, but it's, I think, you know, we all have that. And I think the more we could shine that up, I think that makes it really powerful as leaders. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, it's, it's been, it is just a fun place to be really. <laughs> nice. And I love that fun. That's a, that's a great <laughs> cultural um, desire to have within your organization. Yeah. I mean, of course, when everything is going really well, it's real easy to say how fun it is. Right. Um, <laughs> we're going to hopefully, hopefully it's forever fun around. That's right. So um, as we close up here, can you, before we get into the last question, how, how do people find out about um, your, your brewery? Um, what's the website? Um, so it's www.holidaylybrewing.com. And your your um, tap house is in Golden, Colorado. Yeah, we're at eight hundred one Brickyard Circle in Golden. We're a little bit um, north Golden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, 
the final question I want to ask you is what three pearls of wisdom can you leave with our audience today as it you know, pertains to success and growth and evolution in our lives? Only three, huh? All right. <laughs> um, I would say the three for me that have really helped um, one that a friend told me a long time ago, but I was kind of debating getting a master's degree. And I think people a lot of times are debating getting an education, whether uh-huh. undergrad or, you know, it may even be a certification to do something. Um, and I, and the one thing he said to me was go get it because once you have a degree or a certificate, nobody can take it away from you. And if you don't have one, it can be a roadblock for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one is um, if you're debating getting something, going to a going to achieve a certification or a degree, go do it because mm-hmm. those two reasons are two great reasons. Um, you don't want to turn down the road somewhere and you didn't do it and you didn't you don't get an opportunity because of it. Um, and it's something you can control. I feel like. Um, I think another one for me is making strict boundaries for yourself at work and home, meaning um, when I'm at work, and this is, you know, I always, of course, can improve on this, but um, I really, I set up the kids at home so that I don't need to worry about them. I can really focus on work. Right. And when I'm not at work, I put my phone on a charger that is away from me and I can really spend time with them. So the, the, the really dedicated focus to where you're at being there, being in the moment exactly, and not multitasking too much. Yeah. Yep. I think, and if you can't do it all night or whatever, set like a two hour block where that's like, okay, I'm just doing this, you know, with the kids or whatever. And then if you need to check your phone or whatever, at some point, that's fine. But I think, there's no way to not have both going on. It's right. Right. And when people talk about work-life balance, I, I, I don't necessarily buy into a concept of work-life right. balance, but it's more about blending or integrating life because it's all life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. I, um, and I think practicing sticking to those things, mm-hmm. you get better at it. But yes. you have to set boundaries and you have to follow them. Yes. Or it doesn't work. And then I would say, um, find something that you love and are passionate about. Yes. Um, I, I kind of felt like in the corporate world, I was swimming upstream. Like there was always, I don't know, tension in the other direction. And and I don't know why, or, you know, what, what the, why it felt that way, but it it just seemed kind of hard. Mm Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I made this decision, and I talk with my staff about this a lot, it's like the wind is at my back mm-hmm. um, because I I let go and I just um, did something that I really loved and was passionate about. And now I have, I just feel like I have a lot of momentum behind me rather than facing a kind of a headwind. I feel like I've got this momentum with me. And I think the biggest the biggest thing I did is I just really did something I was passionate about and I took, I took that chance. Yeah. You know, and I think it's what I always say is that the universe falls all over itself to open up doors for us and to bring new people into our lives when we are on track on purpose 
to, you know, being in something that we're passionate about. And um, I love how the universe really just opens doors. Um, it's that that flow comes to us. We get into the flow of things versus being pushing something uphill. Completely. And I think, I mean, it's very, it's different for every person, right? Some people are super successful in different roles that I would be terrible at, but right. it's great. It's a great fit with their strengths and, mm-hmm. um, and that's their momentum and that's perfect because we need every single different kind of person. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love to help people do is really get clear about what their strengths are, what their passions are, what their values are. So they get out of that stuck space mm-hmm. and it's, um, it opens up doors in such beautiful new ways. If you can just find that, what that calling is for each person. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Karen. And I look forward to meeting you face to face later this month. Yeah, that'll be great. And, um, Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGelner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.